Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And it is a great joy to be with you, to uh, be in, an, in a part of this online community that, that is building, growing, and developing uh, around us. And, and it's just exciting to be a part of that. And, and so I'm glad that you are here with us. If you're new here, if somebody invited you first, well, I would love for you to say hi. Say where you're from. Let us know uh, your your brand new. We would love to, to say hi and welcome you. Uh, hopefully in us, you will find a group of folks that we're, we, we recognize that we don't have it all together. We, we realize that we are not perfect, but we know the one who is, and, and that's Jesus. And, and together, we're all walking and working toward being more like Jesus. And we'd like to invite you to come along for the ride so that we can, uh, we can learn a little bit of something while we are growing in that relationship. Uh, that may be uh, that, that may be the idea of our new sermon series, uh, this, this idea of asking questions. Uh, questions grown-ups, not kids. Kids ask a lot of questions, but questions grown-ups ask about the Bible. And we're going to be looking at some of those questions, but to me, one of the things that it fascinates me is, is that at a, as adults, we tend to, to kind of back away or shy away from asking questions. Now, I don't know if that comes from a desire for us to uh, not look uh, dumb or if it comes from a recognition that, you know, we're not exactly where we want to be. Uh, but really what, what I see is that, um, that maybe it comes from, you know, when we were in high school and that teacher said, hey, uh, there are no stupid questions and we heard that one kid ask over and over every dumb question they could figure out. Or maybe, maybe it came from the idea we have about not asking questions comes from when, we're, when, we, when we have our own kids. Uh, here's what I mean by that. Um, have you ever been around a, a, a young uh, intellectual kiddo that is just excited about everything, and they just start asking question after question after question after question after question after question after question. Uh, for me, we were on a we were on a road trip. That's the worst time for this to kick in. By the way, we were on a road trip going from St. Louis to Florida in a a little bitty Toyota Corolla four door with two kids in the back seats and two adults in the front seat, and, and my son had just learned how to read. And so he started asking question after question about every billboard we passed. Uh, we tried to defend ourselves by using the quiet game or the alphabet game or, or a slug bug or any kind of game that we could come up with that would have him to, to stop asking so many questions. Um, and the reason he was asking all those questions was because he wanted to grow in his understanding of the world. And, and yes, it was annoying at the time, but honestly, that's how we learn. We ask questions, we, we get answers, we learn. And if we don't get the answers, then we go and try and figure things out. And I think that uh, the world right now would do a whole lot better with uh, everybody asking more questions and a lot less people being experts, even though they're not experts in whatever field they're talking about online. And so that's, that's kind of where we want to start from with this brand new sermon series. 
uh, questions grown-ups have about the Bible, and we're going to take a look um, at some of the questions that the kids asked. We're going to take a look at some questions that you have asked, uh, and if you, I wanted to just throw this out there. If you have a question that you would like looked at during this series, go ahead and, and, and send that in to us. You can do that through the Connect card, uh, the digital Connect card, or you can do that by sending an email to the church, whatever it is. Just hit us up. Uh, we're trying to get some questions in, and we want your questions to be answered as well. And so we want to start this new series off, and we're going to ask this question. Were there dinosaurs on Noah's Ark? Yeah, that's a serious question. I know, I know it can sound kind of tongue-in-cheek and it can sound kind of funny, but uh, honestly, that's the question that I, we're going to start with because it really takes a look at two things. One, it looks at creation because we've got this whole conversation about dinosaurs, and, and two, it looks at Noah's Ark and, and what, what that was all about. Um, and, and helps us to ask our own questions about what's going on in those stories. And so I wanted to remind you of the creation story. The creation story is this beautiful story in the beginning of the Bible. It comes in Genesis, and it's the story of how God created the heavens and the earth. But, but I think too frequently, we can get kind of lost in that, and, and we don't realize that we don't understand everything that we think we understand about creation. I mean, we want to know about how many days, you know, how long it, it took God to create things, and instead of really getting the big picture. And here's, here's why because we're modern readers. We're modern readers, and we have a modern concept of the universe and, and the world and our place in it. We have a modern concept of, of the, the way that the world works around us. And, and that wasn't so for the, the authors of the Bible. They didn't have an enlightened mindset. And when I say enlightened there, I mean children of the enlightenment. We're scientific-minded. We're, we're focused on facts and understanding. And that wasn't the case with the authors of the Bible. Here's what I mean. Uh, on day two, <laughs> we're going way back, of Genesis, um, there, there's this, this line that happens, and it says this, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. So we have this picture uh, of, of, of the world being created. On day two, God creates the sky, but he creates it by using a vault to separate two sets of water. And if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, when we read this normally, we read right past it because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us, and so we don't really catch that there's something interesting happening. And so we move right along because there's not water above and water below. The interesting thing is this. This is a, a, an idea of, of what the uh, Greeks and, and folks that, that were authors in the Bible would have, have seen as the world. It, it's kind of like a snow globe except opposite, right? Instead of the water being around the snow globe and in the snow globe, they're in the glass separating. It's just uh, the, the um, 
the air is on the outside. Anyway, uh, so here's what we have. We have the earth, and then there is this, this space that God creates because the ocean of the heaven is up above it. And why is there an ocean of the heaven? Because that's where the rain comes from. And if you'll notice, the stars and the sun and the moon, which are not, the sun wasn't recognized as a star initially, um, these are all inside of the firmament with the stars. And so this is in this, this heavenly area. But, but above that is this water. And, and the, the early mindset was this, that there is chaotic waters out there. That's, that's what the universe and, and all creation is born out of. And, and so God separated the water above and the water below. The water below being the waters on the earth and the water above being the heavenly waters, the things where rain comes from. Um, and we recognize, oh, they come from cumulus clouds that are filled with water and there's lightning and thunder and water comes out. But that's not the way that they perceived the world around them. It took a while for humanity to figure that out. And, and that's the case that we need to understand. So really, what we need to do is, is take a little trip back and, and, and kind of figure some things out. First, I, w- I wanted to point out, you know, in, in, in our modern minds, we're, we're detail-oriented. We want the details and we want the history and we want to understand that. And the Bible, quite simply, wasn't written with that in mind. Those details aren't primary on God's list. What, what God is trying to do is not tell us about the exact order of creation and how everything works. God's trying to tell us about God. And, and so I wanted to remind us, this is what the, the, um, the story of creation is about. God created everything. The heavens, the earth, the waters above, the waters below. God created everything. People were the crowning jewel of creation. The final thing in creation was that God created humanity. And humanity was that, that, the pinnacle of his creation. And he was so proud of the, this creation and all that he had done. And, and then the problem started because the people rebelled against God. We turned away, we chose our own path, and things started to to go downhill. But God wasn't done with us. God makes a way for us to go forward. And and this is what the story of creation is all about. This is the purpose of the story of creation. It's so that we can come to understand about God. So when we ask a question like, where are the dinosaurs in Noah's Ark? The first answer is, other than, duh, dinosaurs been dead a long time, right? The first real answer that we find is the dinosaurs aren't there because the book isn't about dinosaurs. The book is about God and his relationship with his creation. So we, we need to kind of get that through our heads. We need to kind of come to understand that and recognize that that what God is doing is God is giving us this opportunity to get to know Him through the Bible. And when we ask questions like, were there dinosaurs? Uh, Then then we can can start to start to really lose our way. And, and, and it, it starts almost immediately when we read the, the, the scriptures. Here's what I mean. When we read the creation story, the first things that come to our head is, I wonder how 
how long that, that creation period took. Was it seven 24-hour periods? Was it seven 1,000-year periods? Was it maybe seven periods that God lived there, uh, you know, and there was nothing else going on? And, and maybe you're sitting there going, why did he say seven 1,000-year periods? And that's because that comes from Second Peter, which says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Now, now Peter's trying to tell us, hey, we, we, we serve a God that, that is eternal. And, and we start going, well, that's a thousand. If a day is like a thousand years, then seven days, that was 7,000 years. <laughs> and we start doing that. And we don't realize, you know, how long were Adam and Eve in the garden? You can start asking some really compelling questions when you, when you start putting your mind to it. Maybe Adam and Eve were in the garden for quite some time, billions of years before there was any, any issue with, with their being obedient to God. We, we don't know how long they were there, yet... We obsess on these seven-day periods, and, and we do so because we're so scientifically minded. I mean, science is always asking questions and seeking the answers, and when they figure out they get it wrong, then they seek further, and, and they try to find more. Here, here's a great example. When I was a kid, dinosaurs did not have feathers, this is a modern artist, artistic rendering of what a T-Rex would look like with feathers. Uh, and the reason is, is because now science believes that dinosaurs were actually on the ark uh, because their descendants were birds. Uh, and those birds were on the ark. And so the, the idea, though, is that science keeps looking for that. Now, I got one more. If T-Rex has feathers, what if we got the whole idea wrong and T-Rex really looks like this? This is a uh, rooster rex. It's a rooster T-Rex. I don't know. Uh, I saw this picture and I was like, that's crazy. I've got to show y'all. So thank you, Google, for your help. But this is the idea is that now science realizes, hey, we, we didn't get it right. So we're going to continue seeking to try and get it right. And, and the good news is, is we can apply that same concept to the Bible. When we look at the Bible and we're like, well, how long was a seven-day period? We need to understand that's not the core of what the message is. So we can start asking the right questions and start seeking God in a new and profound way. That's the whole concept of this series. So the quick answer when we say, were there dinosaurs on Noah's Ark? is no, dinosaurs died out 67, or changed, whatever, 67 million years ago. Uh, this, is, this is the concept that we currently have. Now, maybe it was sooner, maybe it was later. Science is always asking those questions. Uh, but, but it doesn't lose the value and the impact that we have from the Bible. The Bible is still key and current and useful. We just have to expand our, our minds to understand where the original authors were. And that context helps us to understand what's going on in each and every story. So God creates this beautiful place for his creation, and, and God enjoys spending time with his creation. And then, then creation rebels because creation follows humanity. And, and so this brings us to the second part of our conversation today, and that's the story of Noah's Ark. 
This idea of, of God wiping out everything. I mean, we, we sell this, this story pretty short. If you look, um, we, we've got this, this is a really, really fancy looking ark. And there's some, uh, there's some uh, elephant and, you know, some stuff going on. And it's, it's childlike in, in the artistic nature of it. And, and that can be problematic when we actually read the story because the story of Noah is a brutal story. And so the question is, why? Why did God choose to, to put humanity in an ark? Why did God choose Noah and put him in an ark? Why did God wipe everybody else out? What was going on at the time? And, and see, this is when we start to ask the right kinds of questions. What was it that caused God to go that far? And it says this in Genesis. Uh, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. I, I can't stress that enough, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted <laughs> the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So so the Lord said I will give you a new clicker. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Friends, here's, here's the deal. This story that we tell our children and, and we make toys out of is a brutal story. Every inclination of the heart of man was evil all the time, only evil. We, we think the world is a crazy place, and, and with our, our current modern mindset, we look at people behaving poorly, and, and we're like, why would you do that? And, and we look at this story, and we see that this is just the tip of the iceberg for us, that, that, that this story says that humanity was so broken, so dark, so wicked, that every thought that they had was evil. Now, Noah finds favor with God, and, and God decides to keep Noah and his family alive. And so he puts them in the ark. And immediately when we read this story, typically our minds go to things, uh, scientific questions about this. Well, how, how deep was the water? It rained 40 days and 40 nights. Was the water as tall as Mount Everest? Because then the air would be pretty thin. A lot of the animals would die, right? A good atheist friend of mine asked me that question. Uh, and, and so I, my, my answer to that is, that's not the purpose of the story of Noah. Noah's telling us, it, we don't know if, if it was the world as perceived by Noah uh, or, or if it was the entirety of the world, and, and we just don't understand that. And we, we, don't underst we don't have enough context and information to answer that question. What we do see is the, the 
question answered on why. Why was it that God caused the flood? And it was because of the brokenness of humanity. Now, here's, here's an interesting piece that we don't always catch, is that creation itself has been damaged by us. Our, our rebellion didn't just impact humanity. It's, it's echoed into all of creation. When God mourns creating everything because of us. But I think a more interesting question that we can come up with, instead of were there dinosaurs on Noah's ark, would be this question. Why didn't God just start over with a new man and a new woman? Why did, why did God not just begin again? Why didn't God wipe out all of creation and start from scratch? Why did God choose to keep us in the story? And, and, and it, it's a difficult question to answer, but I think that's beginning to get the right question asked. When we, when we look at that kind of question, that's the kind of question that the Bible is meant to answer. The reason that God chose to, to keep Noah and his family alive and, and to continue creation through this story of Noah's ark was because God is for creation. God created us and was so happy with us. God longs for that relationship, and so God is making a way for us to have that relationship. God wants us to win. And God makes a way for us to win. This is the gift and the joy that we find in Jesus Christ, is that God loves us so much that he's not going to leave us down there on our own where, where we can't get to him, but instead he sends Christ into the world to live a perfect life, to die on our behalf and to be raised on the third day to invite us into a relationship, to invite us into life, eternal life. And that's, that's where the question gets answered. That's the kind of question that the Bible was intended for. So when we start looking at the Bible and we start asking questions with our scientific mind, we need to understand that the Bible wasn't always intended to answer that. Now, some of those questions, historically and, and scientifically, the Bible can help shed light on. But, but in, in the minutia, in, in the small details that we like to obsess about, and, and find fault with, we get lost. And we lose the big picture when we do that. So my hope is that during this series, we'll start to take seriously the joy of asking some questions. We'll start to take seriously the opportunity that we have to learn and grow. And, and oh my gosh, maybe, maybe through this process, we can find a little bit more about God out. And, and together, we can grow in our relationship with God and in our relationship with one another, and <gasps> maybe we'll even learn something. <laughs> My hope is that you'll join us on this trip, that you will come with us, and we will learn together a little bit more about this God who loves us so passionately and, and answer some of the questions, some of the deep questions that we can ask of the Bible and, and, and see what God reveals to us and, and how God's love for us can impact our lives and maybe change things even now, so far down the road after the Bible was written, that even now 
God is working in and through our world, and, and we can be a part of that. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift you give us in Jesus. Thank you for creation. Thank you for loving to create. Thank you for creating the world, the galaxy, the universe, and all of us. Thank you for not leaving us behind even when we were broken. And thank you for making a way for us to get back together with you. God, thank you for inquisitive minds. Spark in us a, a new desire to learn, to ask questions, to grow. Help us to, to be focused on who you are and help us to be serious about finding the answers. Together we can find answers that, that help us to grow in that relationship. Help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to bear your image well. Father, help us by pouring your Holy Spirit out upon us and growing. And, and God, if there's somebody out there today that is in the sound of my voice that hears this message that is skeptical and on the fence, help them to recognize your presence. Be with them today. And, and if that's you, I just want to encourage you to, to ask God into your life. God can make such a difference in your life and, and, and help you to find the, the true life that God offers to you. And, and so I hope that you would pray this with me. God, I, I'm not what I should be. Help me to be more like Jesus. Forgive me for my sin and help me to walk across that line of faith into your bold and beautiful future. We ask this in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everyone agreed and said, Amen.